This is a CBC Podcast. Hey there, I'm Nicola McLeod, and if you're living on PEI, you've probably heard a bit about harm reduction lately. Harm reduction methods. Harm reduction strategies. Harm reduction. Some level of harm reduction. Harm reduction strategies. Okay, maybe a lot about harm reduction. It's been a pretty heated topic amongst our political leaders and islanders who are advocating for or against it. There's been fiery public meetings attended by hundreds and a shove with criminal charges that reverberated across the island. And while communities across the country are being affected by the opioid and addictions crises, here on PEI, we still do not have any supervised consumption sites where folks can use drugs. So why is that? And when is one coming? Here to break it all down is my colleague and former deskmate, CBC PEI reporter Tony Davis. Tony has been covering a lot of these developments over the last few years. Hey, Tony. Hey, Nicola. The good thing is, is I'm used to being locked in a room with you. That's pretty much how we survived the pandemic. You know what? That is that is very true. Um, to start off, Tony, why don't you just tell us a little bit about what harm reduction actually is? Okay. In terms of harm reduction, it's typically a strategy used to make things uh, safer for people who are going to engage in typically kind of dangerous activities anyway. So uh, talking to the chief public health officer, Dr. Heather Morrison, she kind of gave examples outside of the sphere of, of opioid use. So she says, you know, getting in a car, putting on a seatbelt, that's kind of harm reduction. Now, in terms of uh, drug use, harm reduction could be things like the needle exchange program here on PEI that uh, hands out clean needles that prevents the spread of bloodborne illness because they're using clean supplies. Another element of that is a uh, supervised consumption site. So that's a location people could go to uh, use drugs under supervision, uh, get taken care of in case they have an overdose. So it's this idea that people who have addictions are probably going to be using drugs anyway. So let's find ways to make it safer for them to do that. Yeah, exactly. Talking to the uh, chief public health officer, she has said, you know, there's there's times in people's lives where they're not ready for traditional recovery programs, so to speak. So the, the whole idea is to make their current engagements, their activities as safe as possible. It seems like when you look around the country, you hear about safe injection sites that have been around in other parts for a long time. So are we still the only province that does not have one? Well, we're, we're not the only province. Newfoundland and Labrador, they don't have one either. So the first illegal consumption site, which many people might know about, it was in Vancouver in 2003. Since then, several have popped up across the country. Now, it's important to note in my conversations with Dr. Heather Morrison that harm reduction and a supervised consumption site are just part of the puzzle in terms of services uh, for those dealing with addiction. Here's what she had to say about it. We talk about really the importance of three things, prevention, treatment, and harm reduction. So you can't have one on its own. It's really important to have all three. So it's not an either or. An overdose prevention site, for instance, we know that those uh, individuals who may use an overdose prevention site are more likely to get linked into treatment. So that was uh, CPHO, Dr. Heather Morrison, just speaking about harm reduction and how it's just a part of, of services geared towards those with, with drug dependence. That's kind of something I've heard multiple times in my reporting about this, people putting these two things against each other, traditional treatment versus harm reduction. But as you heard from the CPHO there, these things are supposed to work kind of in collaboration. 
Can you walk us through some of the history of this project? I, I was going back and, and looking to try to remind myself of when we first started this conversation on PEI and was surprised to be reminded that it was actually Ernie Hudson who announced this as, as health minister. And that was almost three years ago. So, you know, what has happened since and why don't we have this project now? So, yeah, Health Canada did approve uh, a site several years ago, uh, gave the government approval to, to set one up. Now, now that original site was uh, was supposed to be 33 Belmont Street. Peers Alliance tells me there's been a need in the community since at least 2019, and the need has only gone up for a uh, supervised consumption site. But in the most recent election, this was a bit of a political football. At a public meeting back in March at Birchwood School, concerns around drug use, in the community and a supervised uh, consumption site where we're being discussed about it possibly coming to the area. Uh, again, 33 Belmont Street. Now, candidates from several parties spoke at that meeting and uh, Tim Kaiser, the PC candidate at the time, went up to the podium and told all these residents of the area, hundreds that were in attendance, that that site would not be set up on Belmont Street. There was significant pushback from the public and people who live in the area, like Eugene Savoy, were pretty happy to hear that site wouldn't be put in their backyard. Not against safe injection or harm reduction. We were against 33 Belmont as a location. That's what we were fighting for. That was Eugene Savoy, who lives near Belmont Street, where the site was first proposed. Uh, then there was some movement this past summer, a public meeting at the Confederation Center about putting the supervised injection site on Park Street. That was the second location chosen. So that's not far from the emergency shelter. It was probably the most disruptive public meeting I've ever been to. We had people shouting over presenters. Uh, one even brought their own microphone and PA and started talking about how the community didn't want want the service, and somebody pushed PEI's Minister of Housing, Land, and Communities. Have a listen to that altercation. So just to describe that scene for people who weren't there, a cup of water flew from Minister Rob Lance's hand when he was pushed. Several people stepped in to stop the altercation. There were some kicks thrown. As you can hear, some of them were saying they were on the man's side against the supervised injection site. The person uh, caught on video giving the shove was Mark Brown. He was charged by police. Now, I did speak with him actually the other day, and he told me he has some more court dates uh, before the issue was resolved. I did speak with others that night, like Tommy Ford, who lives near Park Street, where the site was being proposed. This program is not going to work in. Most of the people we talk to or talk to us about this program, they're all basing everything on their job. They don't want the crisis to go away. They want the crisis because that's work for them. That was Tommy Ford speaking about how he doesn't believe in harm reduction services. Yeah, so after some intense public meetings, the issue eventually found its way to Charlottetown Council. So why does Charlottetown Council need to be involved in this? So Charlottetown Council kind of comes into play because they need to change the zoning to allow that area to set up a supervised consumption site. So that approval needs to go through city council. They need to vote on it. The province puts that application into the city. The city decides on it. So where are we now with that process? 
So uh, this past September, uh, the city of Charlottetown voted 7-3 to three to not have the consumption site set up near the Park Street Emergency Shelter. That was the uh, second location chosen by the province. Now, the province did have an opportunity to appeal that decision to the Island Regulatory and Appeals Commission, but uh, they didn't within the given timeline. And since then, there's been little to no movement on the file, to my knowledge, though government officials have told me they are committed to establishing a centre on PE. There's just been no additional details uh, given. This, at some points, has turned into almost this fight between the province and Charlottetown Council. So what have those roadblocks looked like? Well, one roadblock has been Charlottetown City Council, like you kind of alluded to. Uh, The province put in the application for the temporary variance to allow the center to be placed at Park Street. You know, they they said no. Some city councillors aren't shy on on sharing their opinions on harm reduction in general. Uh, Councillor Mitch Tweel has spoken out about several harm reduction services, from needle exchanges to the outreach center, almost every single time I've been to, uh, to council. And another roadblock is simply people who don't want the service in their area who are concerned crime will come with it, which is a challenge because the province's harm reduction coordinator, Sean Martin, says a supervised consumption site, it needs to be within 20 minutes uh, walking distance of other services or, you know, clients are less likely to actually use it. Not to mention the provincial government has been vague on what the plan is going forward. I've asked multiple times for an update, but haven't been told if another location is even being considered. So it's almost this double-edged sword where the space needs to be in town so that people can access it, but people who live in town don't want it near their homes. That's pretty much exactly it. And, uh, you know, opinions on it are are pretty nuanced. There's some people that, you know, just don't want this service in the area. There's people that don't want it at all. So we talked a bit about what some opponents of these projects have already said, uh, but what are they proposing instead? Are we supposed to just do nothing? A common theme I hear is that money should be invested in traditional addiction services, which often require people to be not using drugs at all. Uh, Charlottetown resident Dane Cutcliffe was at a public meeting on illicit drug use in the city, and this is what he had to say. Fundamentally, um the way to solve the drug-related problem is to have drug-related services that actually serve the addicted public and working towards uh, programming that, that really helps those people rather than uh, enable them with services that just provide paraphernalia and, uh, and a safe place to use those drugs. That was Charlottetown resident Dane Cutcliffe speaking about what services he thinks should be offered to those facing drug addiction. That idea of handling the issue by increasing access to treatment centers has been a common theme I've heard in my reporting. So what about people who are for this project, who disagree with what someone like Dane is saying? Well, the biggest disagreement to what, uh, you know, Cutcliffe had said uh, from people who are for the project is that, you know, uh, for addictions treatment centers, there's often a wait time, there's a requirement to, to you know, be sober for a specific duration, things like that. Challenges that, uh, you know, some people who are in recovery or trying to be in recovery may not be able to get through, there might be relapse situations. And their argument is, is, you know, 
often relapse sadly is a part of recovery. And if they are able to engage in that practice they were going to engage in anyway, then uh, they have clean supplies, they have a place to go to, to do this where they're monitored, where if they overdose, somebody can administer something like naloxone. What about Peers Alliance? That's the the group that had been contracted to run the original uh, site when it was supposed to be at 33 Belmont. Since then, it seems they've just kind of been waiting in the wings for this project to get going. So what are those folks saying? Waiting in the wings is kind of the the feeling I get when I talk to the folks down at uh, Peers Alliance. So staff with Peers have told me they haven't heard much about when or where the service will be since that vote by city council. But the folks with Peers say it's a much-needed service in the community. Here's what Angel Darash and uh, Tessa Rogers with Peer Alliance have to say about this. It is a need that we've been hearing about from participants since uh, 2019. The need for that service has only increased over time. We've seen the complexity of overdoses happening in communities shift. Things are certainly more complex. Uh, The substances that are around, like I said, are more toxic. When people do not have access to housing, they do not have access to do this behind closed doors. So then they are doing it in public. Whereas if we had an OPS, that is somewhere that they may be able to go and feel safer. Um, that is the goal. Also with the discarded syringes and discarded uh, safer consumption materials in public, having a site that is central that folks can come to and consume substances without retributions would allow folks to discard those on site and also encourage those pathways to care. That was Tessa Rogers, harm reduction manager with Peers, and Angel Darash. Uh, she's a program coordinator with the organization. Now, the supervised consumption site would also offer testing for deadly substances like fentanyl. Uh, the site would also present information on pathways to addictions treatment. Uh, both Rogers and Darash say the service is about preventing people from dying from overdose. Rogers says people facing addiction can't recover if they die. So is there fear amongst the people who work in this sector that without this service, more people are going to continue to die of what are possibly preventable overdoses? Yeah, absolutely. That's that's a huge fear from people who deliver these services, not only, you know, Peers Alliance, but uh, the Native Council, which also runs a, a needle exchange program. I've talked to community advocates in Summerside. Uh, you know, they're, they're all worried that if these services aren't available, that uh, not only will public drug use continue, but more people are, are, are likely to, to die without access to these services. I'm sure we're not the first community to face controversy over something like this. So how do they tackle this issue in other places? Well, looking even outside Canada, supervised consumption sites have been going for a while. Switzerland has had one since 1986. It's actually a consumption room. Um, there are several sites in the Netherlands, some in Germany, France, Spain. So this this has been part of harm reduction for decades now in other parts of the world. Uh, a closer-to-home example would be the Ally Center of Cape Breton. Folks there tell me they haven't had as much pushback as to what they've kind of observed here on the island. They have a location in Sydney that's been run for over a year. Chris Porter is the director of the Ally Center of Cape Breton. Here's what she said about the service. People are under, uh, you know, the understanding that it's about promoting drugs, but what it is, it's about promoting health among people who use substances because, you know, they deserve health too. We had to expand our hours and we had to add another booth because we were so busy. 
That was Chris Porter with the Allies Center, which is set up in Sydney, Cape Breton. I also spoke with Nick Boyce. He's a senior policy analyst with the Canadian Drug Policy Coalition. Here's what he has to say about supervised consumption sites across the country. There is a wealth of information looking at the, the positive benefits uh, of overdose prevention, supervised consumption sites, whatever we want to call them. They're demonstrated to, to reduce um, disease transmission, demonstrated to increase referrals to, to other supports, and absolutely they reduce uh, overdose deaths. Um, we just have to look at the number of, of overdoses that get responded to on a daily basis that if they didn't, if they had happened offsite, uh, there's a very good chance that person would either end up in hospital or be dead. That was Nick Boyce, senior policy analyst with the Canadian Drug Policy Coalition, speaking about uh, supervised consumption services in Canada. And again, Nicola, you, you hear that fear that without these services, you know, more people could overdose and die. So, Tony, when we're talking about this pushback to a supervised consumption site, it seems natural to also talk about the pushback to another harm reduction service, which is Charlottetown's Community Outreach Centre. It's been in the news a lot. There's been a lot of folks calling for it to be shut down or to be moved. How do you see these two issues coming together? Well, just to give an update on that for people who might not know, that outreach center is is uh, likely to be moved as long as uh, the province can meet certain conditions that the city of Charlottetown put on that move. So, uh, you know, it, it should be moved to the Park Street area, you know, within 60 days, according to the uh, to the province. But what I've discovered is that discussions around, uh, you know, just homelessness and addiction across the island are, are kind of dominated by uh, the outreach center, right? So when it comes to other areas, thinking about adding services. I heard fears around property damage, crime, open drug use, if the services are brought to their area, whether that's, you know, an emergency shelter or even community uh, housing. During a standing committee in Montague, a person was uh, worried offering services could uh, attract people, you know, that, that would commit crimes, do property damage, things like that. Summerside Council, there was an application for a group home. That application was withdrawn kind of after a, uh, a meeting in Summerside during council where several people kind of spoke out saying, you know, if people are experiencing addiction and, and coming to my neighborhood, I, I don't want this service at all. One of the biggest issues seems to be discarded needles in the area. Now, I will note that uh, Charlottetown Councillor Julie McCabe did say at the most recent special council meeting that the situation has gotten a bit better since the center has hired security and uh, public works have been picking up fewer needles than they were, you know, in the past. It's also important to note that the needle exchange program has been running for decades. That program offers access to clean needles at pharmacies and other locations like the Outreach Center. Both Peers Alliance and the Native Council of PEI do say that they get more needles back than they hand out month over month and year over year. Another thing people uh, may have seen is some online forums with thousands of users who have have uh, posted pictures, uh, videos of discarded needles and alleged overdoses. Now, Nick Boyce, the senior policy analyst with the Canadian Drug Policy Coalition, says typically those types of actions don't encourage those facing addictions to seek treatment. I understand people's gut reaction uh, to seeing that, but it's very easy to scapegoat people who use drugs and the programs that are trying to support them than taking a, a seriously deep look at society and how we tackle these issues. I just ask people uh, to reflect on that and 
And then just to think, you know, if that was you or your kid overdosing, how would you want them to be treated um, and putting the blame on them and then putting it on social media and calling people out? Um, I don't personally think that that's a, a very uh, nice type of society and, and way of doing things. Um, let's, let's pause. Let's give this some thinking and let's come up with uh, a new and different approach. That was Nick Boyce, a senior policy analyst with the Canadian Drug Policy Coalition, just uh, talking about how, you know, you, you can't really shame people into not using drugs. So, Tony, where does PEI go from here? You mentioned that the government officials you spoke with say they're still committed to opening this site. So when are we getting the invite to that ribbon cutting? Well, Nicola, I love what you're trying to do with this podcast here. Give people some concrete answers on some on some complicated issues, something that, you know, government uh, officials aren't the best at sometimes. So that's kind of where we're at with things right now. No added information from the government on when and where a supervised consumption site could be established. And that's a huge concern for some advocates I've spoken with. Now, the province does track some overdoses, but some are being missed, uh, according to Peers Alliance. So those which didn't call for medical assistance and may have had, uh, you know, naloxone administered, came back from an overdose. Those aren't being tracked by the province. And uh, those who died by suicide uh, using drugs, that's also not tracked by the province. But between January and June of 2023, there were 14 accidental overdoses, according to the province. Two of those people died. The numbers for the last half of the year haven't been released yet. Well, I'm sure we will uh, keep a close eye on this issue. Tony, thank you for being here today, and thank you for all your work on this topic. Great. I'm ready for a part two if I ever get a call for that ribbon cutting. And that is it for this week's episode of Good Question PEI. If this conversation or something you're seeing out and about sparks a question for you, we certainly want to hear about it. Our email address is goodquestionpei at cbc.ca. And coming up in a few weeks, in honor of the legislature sitting again for the spring session, we are going to be doing a deep dive on the PEI legislature. So we certainly want to hear your questions ahead of that episode about policy, the politicians, the parties, or just what goes on in the House. You can also call our talkback line. That's 1-800-680-1898. For Good Question PEI, I'm Nicola McLeod. Take care. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.